All right, welcome to Steeler Country. I am Tony Serino. Today on the show, we are recapping the Steelers' 23-20 win over the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers did it. They pulled off the upset, and we're going to recap it today on the show. Before I get started, I just want to let everybody know if you're here live, of course, thank you for watching live. Leave a comment in chat. We'll do a Q&A. Actually, we're going to do a Q&A probably today as we, as we go. I know I usually do it at the end of the show. I want to get you guys more involved in today's show. What, what a fun win that was on Sunday. Let's talk about it. Also, I want to let you know, if you are listening to this after the fact, uh, you can find this on YouTube, Steeler Country with Tony Serino. We are, I'm going to be live on Tuesdays and Thursdays throughout the year to do my game recaps and then game previews. And of course, you can also find me on AFC North Talk. It's another show I do here on YouTube, a roundtable show all about the AFC North. Make sure you check out yesterday's episode, Monday's episode. Had a lot of fun, a lot of fun on that episode at Bengals fans' expense. So make sure you check that out. Oh boy, the Steelers did it. They did it. And they they didn't do it the easy way. Made a little too hard on themselves, which we'll get to. That game probably should not have gone to overtime considering they had five turnovers. Uh, but but they did it. And and again, as I as I said on the preview show, this was the toughest matchup on their schedule. How are they going to be able to do things offensively against a defense that really had no respect for them? Uh, and then how are they on offense going to shut down such a formidable opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals, an opponent a year ago that had uh, such such success moving the ball against the Steeler defense. And the thing that I, I, I kept thinking as, as the game was going on, and even as it got tight there, and even, even as it felt like the Steelers might even let this one slip through their fingers, this was a legendary defensive performance. And, and, and I look, I know, you know, I, I use hyperbole too much. I know that about myself. I do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a verbal crutch for sure. But, you know, I've been watching football for 30 years. Go back to 1992. That's like the first year I remember watching. I've had to, over that time, reevaluate how I look at defense and what dominant defense is because so much has changed in that 30-year period. Now, you go back to 90s style of football. It wasn't the kind of sideline-to-sideline vertical game. Everything's efficiency. Everything's about efficiency. Everything's about numbers, matchups, and all of that. Right? I mean, that was still, you know, they were still using fullbacks. I mean, there was still a lot of, like, 21 personnel back in the day, two, two running backs and a tight end. You know, that was still very much that style of offense. And so dominant defense back then was, oh, shut a team down, right? We're talking about shutouts, hold the team to three points, right? You know, hold them to like 20% first down rate. You know, I mean, dominant defense in the 90s was dominant, dominant defense. And even into the 2000s, I mean, you think about probably the last two really great defenses that are kind of universally thought of as great. You think about the 2000 Ravens and what that team did that year. Five weeks that offense went without scoring a touchdown. And they won two of those games because that that defense, even in their three losses, that 2000 Ravens defense held their opponents to 11 points per game without their offense doing squat. And see, that 2000 Ravens perform, that 2000 Ravens run is, is something I never thought would get done again. You know, when you think about the modern NFL and how good offenses are, it's all, what's it all about now? Complimentary football. It's all about complimentary. Hey, we need our offense to help our defense and our defense to help our offense. Right? We got to work in sync in these things. When you get a turnover, you got to make them pay. You got to keep the ball on offense so that your defense can get a rest and all of that. And that was the exact the exact opposite of what we watched on Sunday in that football game. 
Instead, on, all, on what we watched in that game was a defense single-handedly go on the road and win a football game basically by themselves. I mean, th- we'll talk about that offensive performance and how poor it was, but it was a it was a putrid performance offensively, and they needed every bit of that defensive performance that they got to squeak away with an overtime win after getting five turnovers. I mean, they needed a strip sack in overtime to take the Bengals out of field goal range to give that offense one more chance. It was a a legendary, a legendary performance by that defense. And it started right off the top. You start right with the opening series for the Cincinnati Bengals. Cam Hayward dominates Cordell Volson right into Joe Burrow for the sack. And then play number two, it's Minka Fitzpatrick pick six. And, And I'll give all the credit in the world to Minka, who did a great job kind of reading the route and understanding what Burrow wanted to do with the football. And Joe Burrow, by the way, doesn't have the strongest arm. So that, that throw, you know, to the outside like that with Minka right there, very dangerous throw for Joe to make. But he wanted to make it anyway because, then yeah, he's Joe Cool. He's Joe Shiesty. That's what he's going to do. Minka takes it back for a pick six. The underrated part about that play in particular, I thought, is that play is probably only possible and Tomlin's probably only wanting to run that style of defense, that, that Tampa 2 style where Minka can really get with out there because he has a player like Miles Jack. You know, it, it is funny to me that I've talked so much about Miles Jack and how much I thought he was going to contribute to this defense. And his stat sheet is not gaudy. I mean, he had a nice game, but it's not a gaudy stat sheet. You know, he wasn't involved in the biggest plays the Steelers made defensively as far as, you know, being a, a, uh, a um, the kind of the playmaker there. But that cover to that kind of Tampa two, where where Tomlin has Jack be that middle linebacker. And if you know Tampa two, you know that middle linebacker kind of has to be your kind of deep, your deep third there, as he's got to he's got to take everything vertical because in a Tampa two style, you want to keep your two safeties on the sidelines. But that's what helped Minka keep that with CT Higgins, not have to worry about coming back inside because they got Miles Jack covering inside. So Minka can keep his width, look at Burrow, understand where he's going with the football, break on that football for a pick six. And that really set the tone for the game. I mean, those two plays right there, I think kind of set the tone immediately. But the other thing we talked about with this, with this Steeler defense was how are they going to stop the run? You know, in all the different ways that, that that was going to play itself out as far as how are the Bengals going to come out and attack the Steeler defense in the running game? Are they going to want to get the Steelers out of their base personnel into some more nickel packages, take Tyson Alualu off the field and try to run that way? And how would the Steelers counter? In those ways, this is where I, you have to kind of call out Zach, Zach Taylor because, you know, I, I forget what the numbers. I think it's like 16 out of the 18 times that this this Bengals team went under center in 12 personnel. They ran the football. I mean, they made it very, very easy for the Steelers to defend the run. And I didn't think the Steelers did a great job early on defending the run. I thought the first couple Joe Mixon runs, he, he was able to hit. The, I, we talked about this last week those outside zone plays that the Bengals love to run where Mixon can kind of hit the backside of the play if the Steelers aren't disciplined on that back end. And he did that a couple of times. He hit a nice four or five yarder to start. But other than the Steelers kind of got more disciplined when it came to the backside today, we can't let Mixon cut everything back. You got to make him earn it. And although the Steelers defensive line did a great job of getting penetration, of, of, of keeping that play flowing to the outside, kind of forcing him to the outside or forcing him to make a cut, and, and and at the end of the day, while there were some some runs here and there that I'm sure that defense would love to have back, certainly the fourth and one play, by and large, Joe Mixon was not a factor in this football game. 
not not you know and, and credit it's it's not, not and it's not just credit to guys like Cam Hayward who who we know had a great game. It's not just credit to guys like Tyson Alualu who again you know he's back. It's not just guys like Miles Jack who came in and I and I thought Miles did have a very good game again even even if it wasn't as far as the gaudy Cam Hayward T.J. Watt Minka Fitzpatrick style of game that we watched those three have. But I, I think shout out to guys like Chris Wormley, who I had criticized during the preseason process as really kind of not being the same guy that we saw a year ago as far as being stout in the run defense. Shout out to guys like Devin Bush, who we've all been critical of for not being aggressive enough to the football, for kind of getting swallowed up and avoiding contact when it came to his play against guards and, and, and attacking players in the hole. You know, I, I, I thought, shout out to Larry Ogunjobi, who I said all offseason, hey, let's not, let's not pin our hopes on this guy coming in and immediately being able – to be the kind of dominant run stuffer that that this team des- so desperately needed on that defensive line. I'm happy today to, to sit here and tell you that all of those guys were above the line, especially in run defense. And it's what contributed to this Bengals team kind of being so off balance early on. You know, it, it felt like early on in this game, they, they didn't even want to get to the run. I mean, the first couple plays that they went to, you know, again, we talked about a sack, sack and then interception. They came back from that. They started to try to run the ball. It, you know, it, it worked for a little bit, and then they kind of just completely went away from it. And some of that is because you know the Steelers, can, you know, they, they pulled away. But credit, credit to that front seven. This was a big game for them, and it's a big game, by the way, because Mike Tomlin. We talked about this. You know, is it too high or is it single high? How do you want to? How do you want to defend these Bengals? You know, do you want to live in a world where you're going to put guys in one-on-one situations so that Jamar Chase can beat you down the field, or do you want to live in too high and trust that your front seven can stop the run? Now, I haven't watched the entire All-22 yet because I have to go to the European version because all NFL Plus that we pay for, which says, oh, we'll have the All-22 ready by 6 o'clock the next day. Uh, it's Tuesday, and there's still no All-22 uh, film ready on NFL Plus, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but the the one I have watched, the, the bit I have watched on the uh, the European version, the Steelers ran quite a bit too high, quite, quite a bit too high safeties in this game and trusted that their front seven was going to be able to come through. And how about the play of that secondary? I mean, there's so many unsung heroes on this team. You know, guys like Levi Wallace, who I talked about throughout the process, how heady he is as a player. Again, he's not the phys- he's not this physical, you know, going to go out there and, and kind of stay with you stride for stride. But he does a very good job of breaking on the ball and, of, and, and doing all the little things. And that Jamar Chase touchdown that should have been, that he didn't get the second foot down, great job by Levi breaking on that ball and getting his hands on, on Jamar to get him out of bounds. Cam Sutton in this game, fantastic game. Fantastic. I mean, the interception, he had two interceptions in this game, by the way. They took one away from him because, you know, P.I. Okay, sure, sure. The, again, the, his ability on that post route to break on that ball, again, once again, such a heady player. And, and that's another one where Burrow's arm strength really did come back to bite him. It did. But I, I thought this, you know, this defense – they got no help. You know, teams that teams that get five turnovers score on average 35 points per game. Since since 2012, those are the numbers. When you get five turnovers, you should be scoring in the 30s because you're getting short fields. Your team's able to go out there offensively and make them pay. On, on the other hand, in this football game, this Steeler offense wasn't capable of doing any of that. Oh, no, 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 no. On the contrary. They weren't putting up 35 points. They were going three and out 
on 48% of their snaps in this game, 48% of their drives in this game. They didn't convert a third down in the first half of this football game. And as much as, as much as, you know, I want to sit here and just kind of go over every interception and every turnover and talk about how great each play was, but even some of the better plays in this game were the plays in which weren't necessarily a, a don't go on the, on the statute as a turnover, but they were just as big. The, this, the goal line stand at the end of the first half to keep that team, to keep that Bengal team out of the end zone and force them to kick a field goal and, and take what could have been a 17 to 10 game into halftime with the Bengals, all the momentum and feeling like, okay, we're back on track offensively. And they got ball first coming out in the second half. And instead make that a 17 to six game going into halftime with, again, the Bengals kind of feeling like, boy, oh boy, what is happening in this game? Three turnovers and they can't get themselves into the end zone. I thought that was huge. And then the end of the game, you know, about the Bengals kind of knocking on the door consistently late in that game. You know, the interesting thing about the, the, the fourth quarter of this game, because Bengals fans will tell you that, oh, their offense finally got going in the second half of this game. Oh, they were, oh yeah, we, we were, we were on fire in the fourth quarter. Were you, were they? Were they though? Because after this game gets gets to 17 to 14, the Bengals drives go three and out, eight plays interception, 12 plays downs, to turn the ball over on downs. That was the, the drive where the Steelers got the stop on the goal line. And then they get the ball back and finally are able to drive down and score a touchdown on the very last play of the game in, in a drive where how many of those yards were from penalty? I mean, I have to look it up here, but it felt like well, there, weren't there back-to-back penalties to give them, to take them from like the 20 to inside the five on that drive. I mean, we're talking about efficiency on offense. I, I just, again, I, I, I kind of poo-poo the idea that at any point in this game, it felt like the Bengals on offense were really efficient. They, they did at times have success moving the football, but not in efficient manners. It never felt like the Bengals kind of found their rhythm offensively. It, and, and, this, and again, for this defense to go out there and play this well, for five quarters. I mean, remember, we had we had a, a full overtime in this game, but this defense had to go out there and, and, and shut this Bengals team down. A hundred plays, 100 snaps of football, if you count all the, you know, the plays that were called back by penalty. 100 snaps. The Bengals ran 60 plays per game last year. So essentially, the Steelers played, what, two and three quarters of a game against the Bengals? Two and three quarters of a game and gave up 20 points. And, and offensively had... 48% three and out rate. This is why, again, I came into this game and I said, look, this, the Bengals are probably going to win. They're probably going to win by a touchdown. Because offensively, I didn't think that the Steelers were going to come out and, and be great. And even if the Steelers defense was going to be great, the what it was going to take for this team to overcome was, was going to be monumental. And credit to Mike Tomlin. Credit to TJ Watt, credit to Cam Hayward, credit to Minka Fitzpatrick, credit to every defender out there. I mean, they they were they were legendary. I mean, I don't know where to put it. This was a this was as I mean, this was you look back at last year and that and that game they had against the Bills. That was a shocking defensive performance, right? I mean, I don't think any of us saw that coming because of how much that defense had lost. But you look at this year, and I know that we were all high on this team. We all were saying top five defense, top five defense. But how many of us would have, would have, if you had told us all before the game, this Steeler team is going to have an offense that cannot move the football, that is not going to convert a third down in the first half, that is, that is going to go 
basically 50% of their drives are going to end in three and out. They're going to score six points without the, without the benefit of turnover. And you're going to win that football game. You're going to win that football game because that defense is going to go out there and do enough for you to win it. How? In this league, how? Crazy. Now, the Steelers got really good news today on the defensive front. TJ Watt is not going to be out for the season. He will only miss, it seems like, six games. I would probably, I know they're saying six today. I would probably make it more uh, closer to seven, given that that's the bye week. You know, he's, I would say he probably could come back from Philly if, if these reports are correct. But my guess would be that Tomlin's going to want to hold him out that one week and let him get a rest in the bye week and then come back. I mean, it'll depend on where the Steelers are right now. But to me, that feels like, um, that that feels more like how the Steelers are going to approach the TJ Watt injury. But huge to be able to get him back. Because you can't, I mean, again, it's, it's so difficult to quantify, you know, his loss. We could talk about what Malik Reed needs to go in and do and how many pressures and how many sacks, but it's not just that. I mean, it's the plays that TJ Watt makes that are just like, that are just the jaw-dropping ones. The fact that he's so good at understanding when a play's going his way, right? When a quick throw's going his way and to take that step back from the tackle and look dead in the quarterback's eyes and see the ball coming out and, and get up there and either, I mean, snatch it, but then also, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the tip pass thing that he does, the only thing he needed to do better in this game is I like to see him do the point and laugh at Burrow. Next time, TJ, when you block the pass, let's give him a little point and laugh next time. Let's give him a little point and laugh. Yeah, I, I mean, this defense is back. Obviously, look, they're going to, the, the TJ Watt injury is, is going to hurt this team, as I said. But they were, they're on a trajectory to get back to top five when, when TJ gets back. Now, the question on the other side of the ball, though, is what the hell is going on with that Steeler offense? What in the world did we watch from Mitch Trubisky and that offense? Because I don't think a lot of us had huge expectations for that team, but good Lord. what? Okay, let's, let's start off the top. What do you guys make of the idea that this team came out running pace. You know, the the first drive of this game I thought was really interesting because they they start fast. Like they they wanted to they ran three plays in 40 seconds. Everything was quick throw, get to the line, let's do another one. Right? It was like Frymouth, then Claypool, I think it was the second throw, and then Deontay along the sideline. And you know, he, he kind of had to dance to potentially get the first down. But I think we all kind of expected that this year is going to be much more about Najee Harris, establish the running game. Mitch is there to just not screw it up. Big, you know, and then in the big moments, we need to play here and there. That's Mitch's job, right? You know, the, the similar to like the caretaker role that Ben Roethlisberger was in in this offense a year ago. But that's not a, that's not at all how the Steelers came out in this game. I mean, and again, this is pre-pick six. My thought originally was, oh wow. Tomlin wants to run with the Bengals. Tomlin wants this offense to go out there. And like, you know, even if the Bengals go out and score 30, we're scoring 32, right? It's that, it's what I talked about earlier when we talk about the modern offense and that efficiency. One of the things that offenses love to do these days is, well, let's just, let's just get more bites at the apple. Let's just run more plays. The more plays we run, the more chances we have to create big plays and, and, uh, and make things happen. And so let's just, let's just churn them out. 
felt like that was what the Steelers game plan was coming in. In fact, Tomlin challenged the first third down of the game that Deontay danced along the sideline play. I thought that was again, kind of in an effort of, Hey, we need to keep this ball moving here. We want to score first. We need to get up in this game because if this gets to be a shootout, like we got to have an offense that can do that. And it felt like to me, once Minka got the pick six, Tomlin said, timeout. No, we don't need that anymore. Shut it down offensively, right? Or at least not shut it down, but let's not run with pace anymore. Let's just try to play a, an offense that's not going to screw it up for us because this defense may go out there and win it single-handedly. What did you guys make of that? Though? I want to get your thoughts on, um, on that because I thought that was a really interesting start to the game. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I mean, offensively, what is the identity of the 2022 Pittsburgh Steelers? Because I don't actually know. You know, I mean, I've I've watched I've watched over 60 minutes. It was at 70 minutes of Steeler football, and the best I can tell you is this 2022 version of the Steelers' offense is a gadget offense, meaning that they're going to try and beat you by, you know, weird, you know, tight. What was the best plays the Steelers had? Tight end screen, end around, flea flicker off the end around, the little flip 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 play to the tight end. You know, Mitch running for his life and then just hitting Frymouth down the like what what do they what do they even want to be offensively? They didn't come out trying to ground and pound. I mean, and I think probably Tomlin understood. I mean, this team had so little success running the football a year ago against this Bengals defensive line. As much as I had some some the little faith I had in the right side of this offensive line, yeah, that went away early. The run game is the run game is the same as it was last year, at least matchup for matchup. You know, when you look at how this run game performed a year ago and how they performed on Sunday, you know, I just, that's, they're the same. This <laughs> is, it's the pointing Spider-Man meme. I mean, Jalen Warren, I love this stat line from Jalen Warren. Jalen Warren had eight yards after contact on his runs. He had seven yards in this game. Jalen Warren had more yards after contact than he did total yards in this football game. All right, we got some uh, Luke here says their identity is to not mess it up for the defense. Yeah, I guess so. But they did. I mean, they quite nearly did screw it up for the defense because they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't run any clock. I mean, they were helpless to put up points unless the defense kind of laid it out for them. You can't look it, it, this. This team can't win with this offense. Right? I know we want to kind of sit here today and do like the the parade on the Bengals' grave. And boy, did I have a lot of fun on AFC North Talk doing that. Because I, you know, it's it's one of these those things where. How about that? It's the Steelers that 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 did it to them. You know, I've been talking for a year about that that Bengals offense. You know, just a little side eye. You know, I mean, just a little like, look. I mean, you got a lot of good players. I'm not I'm not doubting the talent on that offense. But when we talk about when we talk about that offense being great, it's great right now. I always said mm, not great yet. They have good big plays, but from an efficiency standpoint, it's not there yet. So to watch that Bengals team kind of regress before my eyes, oh, oh, 
What a day. What a day. That's why the voice is gone. That's why That's why I have no voice. Today is getting better. If you heard me on AFC North Talk yesterday, it was rough. Uh, today's a little better. Today's a little better. Um, yeah. So, anyway, the, this, this, this Steeler team cannot win with this offense. You know, I mean, as, as fun as Sunday was, the Steelers are going to get, you know, we fans are going to get a real smack in the face on Sunday if that offense doesn't improve and improve drastically. Because this Steeler team could easily go from embarrassing the Bengals in Cincinnati to embarrassing themselves against the New England Patriots. It, and to me, it kind of starts with Mitch Trubisky himself. I was all in on the magic Mitch hype train, right? I mean, I, I thought Mitch, when Tomlin talked about the kind of the kind of quarterback he wanted, that mobile quarterback. Okay, it made a lot of sense when you're looking out at the landscape of who's available. Okay, Mitch Trubisky makes a lot of sense. So here he is. Hey, can we can we bring back, you know, can we can we kind of resurrect the the Mitch Trubisky thing, given that we know now that Matt Nagy is a horrific coach. Sure, I'm willing to give that a chance. But, boy, what he did on Sunday was not good. <laughs> and I thought the two things that were kind of unforgivable about his performance is that, one, he was highly inaccurate. Highly inaccurate. All the best plays, all the best plays in this game offensively were the Steeler receivers making unbelievable catches, right? It's, I know we're all excited about the Deontay, like one-hander, bring it back in, get his feet inbounds. But yikes, what the hell was that throw? Same with the Claypool one. The Claypool one on the goal line, that's a simple throw. And it's way out behind him. He's got a one-handed back in. Great catch by Claypool. Don't get me wrong. Great catch. But Mitch, what are we doing? The two deep balls. One to Miles Boykin. Okay, that one's a little past his fingertips. Fine. You know, hey. You know, the deep balls are low percentage throws for a reason. But the one to Pickens down the right sideline. I mean, that one was into the stands. Mitch, who are you throwing to? And then the other part, and this is the part that, boy, I just can't, I just can't get over, especially in this offense. His timing was awful. I mean, he was so late on the vast majority of his throws. In an offense where it's all about kind of quick game, get rid of the football, catch and run, you can't have a quarterback who's afraid to release the ball when the ball's got to be out. I understand that, you know, this is very much, hey, don't turn the ball over, don't screw it up. But at the end of the day, this Steeler team had five turnovers and 23 points to show for it through overtime. Through overtime. Let me read this out here. I went and pulled this up. I went back and looked at offenses since 2020 who have, who have, whose defenses have given them five takeaways. They themselves got had, had zero turnovers, which is what the Steelers had. The Steelers defense gave them five turnovers, five takeaways, and the offense didn't turn the ball over. In those cases, on average, an offense should score 
35 points in that situation. 35 points per game is the average for an offense. The Steelers had 23 in overtime on the last play of overtime. The teams that are around, okay, so you're looking at who else had offensive performances like that. Who are some other teams that had five takeaways but couldn't put up 30 points? The list down there, it ain't good. You're talking about last year's Houston Texans, a team that finished 4-13. and 13. You're talking about the 2012 Tennessee Titans, a team that finished 6-10. and 10. You're talking about the 2020 New York Giants, another team that finished 6-10. and 10. The 2013 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that finished 4-12. and 12. Like, I'm not ready to hit the panic button offensively. I'm not hit, sitting here today saying the Steelers are going to be a four-win team this year. But as much as we want to kind of dance around and say, ha, 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 Joe Burrow, you know, fell back down to earth. If if this team wants, to, if this team can is going to be the playoff team that a lot of us think they can be, considering the defense that they have, that's going to start with Mitch Trubisky and this offense doing something. And I mean, really, it starts with Mitch Trubisky playing like the quarterback that he can be. Just get rid of the ball, dude. I under look. Tomlin's got to tell him you you got to take. I mean. All this kind of I don't want to turn it, I don't want to turn the ball over. I'm kind of double clutching. That's got to go away. That's got to go away. Because an offense this inefficient is going to get b- b- blown out this year. I don't care how good this defense is. That defense was great on Sunday. If you're if if the expectation of Steeler fans is that's the defense we're going to watch week in and week out. No. You're not going to get five turnovers every week. You're not going to face a quarterback like Joe Burrow every week who's just going to give them to you. Right? And 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 yeah, this defense earned a lot of them. They're not going to do that every week. This offense has to put up points. And that's going to start with Mitch playing better. Those Kenny chants, those Kenny chants on Sunday are going to be insane. It's going to start right from the word go. Mitch is going to get booed his first way out. His, his first, I mean, the first time Mitch comes out there, he's getting booed. And the Kenny chants are going to be nuts. I know that for a fact. It's going to be interesting to see how Tomlin deals with this because what what an intriguing situation. Who would have called this? What if the defense is so good they can single-handedly win games by themselves and you just need an offense that's anywhere close to competent and this team is a playoff team? I mean, that's the crazy thing about this team. They could easily be a playoff team now. That defense is back. They're back. That was awesome. But that offense is going to – I mean, that offense is going to – drown this team right back into mediocrity. So I don't think it's time for Kenny. I'm not saying it's Kenny time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying bench bench Mitch after one week. It's a bad matchup. There's there is reason to believe that this offense can be better. There is. But yo, that offense on Sunday was was I mean that was worse than last year. That was a worse offense than the Steelers had last year. I had the thought in the third quarter. I'm sure I'm sure some of you guys thought this. If Ben Roethlisberger's in that game, last year's Ben. Last year, Ben Roethlisberger is, is playing on Sunday. The Steelers win in regulation. There's no doubt in my mind. There's not a single doubt in my mind that Ben Roethlisberger wins that game on Sunday. And it's only week one, so we're not benching Mitch yet. But that's a pretty worrisome, uh, that's a pretty worrisome thought considering that my expectation was, all right, well, at least Mitch will be better on first and second down. The overall efficiency of the offense will go up, even if in those clutch moments, maybe we can't trust Mitch as much as we did Ben Roethlisberger. 
you know, the 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 Mitch kind of running for his life thing, you know, the, the kind of wild man Mitch at the end of the game, like that was cute, but that's not an offense. You know, the end around stuff, like that's cute as a part of the offense, but that's not an offense. The flea flicker to Fryermith is a great play, but that's not an offense. They're not going to live off of that stuff. At the end of the day, this offense is either going to get Mitch Trubisky in a, in, a, in a place where he can drop back the pass on third and five and convert, or we are we are going to end up watching this team, you know, as you know the seven wins I predicted them to. Yeah, I'm not sure they even get there. I'll be honest with you. If 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 Mitch can't if Mitch can't improve from what we saw on Sunday, now again I don't want to be too harsh because. That's one of the worst defensive matchups for the Steelers. The Bengals did the whole, we're going to sit in too high and we're, we don't respect you. You're not going to run the ball. And so in, in, in defense of Mitch, it wasn't like there were guys just running free everywhere. And, and you know, the Bengals did the, we're going to put two deep safeties. You're not going to beat us deep. You're going to have to go underneath, right? We're going to play everything tight, but there were throws to be had. He just was late. And that, that I think is the worrisome thing because if Mitch is playing if Mitch is out there playing scared, that's the that's a that's a bad Mitch Trubisky to have. I'd rather Mitch. I'd rather, quite honestly, I would rather Mitch Trubisky's out there trying to win a football game than Mitch Trubisky's out there trying not to lose. Because what we got out of there, what we got on Sunday was Mitch Trubisky trying not to lose, and it took one of the greatest defensive performances I've seen by a modern defense to come out of there with a victory in overtime. So I know Tomlin said during his press conference today, hey, there's a lot to build on. Like, you know, well, I liked what I saw from certain parts of the offense. Like, I, I know for a fact he is not he is not happy with what he saw from that offense. Now, we should talk about the offensive line for a second. Because this was a big storyline coming in, especially Dan Moore versus Trey Hendrickson. There weren't a whole lot of real reps to grade because once again, this offense was so gadgety. You know, I mean, how many how many true dropbacks did Mitch have in this game? Was it was it ten? <laughs> was it five? I mean, how many times did they actually drop Mitch back and say, "Okay, make a throw"? It wasn't many, so it's not like we have a huge sample size to go off of as far as the pass defense or as the pass uh, pass blocking. But I did think. That in those cases, I mean, even though it is a small sample size, I thought I thought the offensive line held up decently well in pass protection. And this was a huge storyline coming into the year. We knew the run blocking wasn't good. But remember, Ben got rid of the ball so quickly a year ago. The big question going into this season was, well, are is this team going to be able to pass block when Mitch is holding on to the ball too long? And the answer to that was, ish right it's like yes ish we don't i don't have a huge sample size to say definitely yes but of the small sample size i do have it wasn't like trey hendrickson was out there just dominating dan moore on a snap to snap basis i will i will give uh canada some credit in this game because i did think look his play design gets gets a lot of heat and it should because there are so many plays on tape where it's like they had the play where Mitch rolls to the right after a play action. And there is no crosser. There's no crosser. I think the play is designed for the running back to come through 
and and, and like running out. But he gets kind of caught up in the trash. And so Mitch is rolling right with literally nowhere to go with the football. There's no crosser coming his way. It is a crazy play design. I mean, it's it's a and they were in 12, and Gentry's on the backside of the play. So Mitch is gonna roll to his right. Mitch is Gentry's on the backside, and he's out there blocking Trey Hendrickson. He stays in. That's your guy to leak. Matt, what are we doing? Leak the backside. Crazy. I mean, but yeah. Yeah. Um I overall, obviously, the big takeaway from this game is it was of all the teams to make that Bengals offense look human again. Oh my goodness, the fact that it was my Steelers. Go watch AFC North Talk yesterday. What a fun show that one was. What a fun show that was yesterday. Never before. By the way, how quickly did Bengals fans go from Super Bowl contenders to, well, we almost beat Mitch. You know, the fact that they think it's such a badge of honor to have beaten Mitch Trubisky. Or to almost have beaten Mitch. Excuse me. Almost. They almost won. They almost won. I love it. I wonder, are they putting that banner up right next to their AFC champion banner? Oh, we almost beat Mitch Trubisky. It took five turnovers. Like, I don't, it's the, and, and this this is what pisses me off about, because that narrative that they, that Bengals fans kind of cling to is like they're, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of, they're, they're doing their Stuart Smalley, like looking into the mirror. It's going to be okay. It's, we're, we're good enough. We're, we're, our offense is still good enough. <laughs> okay. Calm down. You barely beat, you, you. You lost to Mitch Trubisky in an offense with an offense that for the Steelers was absolutely incapable. The Steeler offense had 4.4 yards per play. 4.4. That's like the worst offense on a per play basis of the last 10 years. I mean, go look up per play stats for offenses. You want to be in like the sevens. And <laughs> the Steelers are down there like four and, and low fours. I love it. I love, I love, oh, mm, the fact that the Steelers did. And I, it's almost, I don't know, is it sweeter? How do you guys feel about this? Is it sweeter that they, that they kind of let the Bengals, you know, hang around and like think they had a chance and block the extra point? You know, the craziness at the end of the game, does that make it sweeter that the Steelers ended up winning that game? Or would you rather have just blown them out, you know, beat them by 40? Because in some ways, the fact that they kind of like dangled the carrot of like, oh, you might win, you might win. And then, uh-uh, you know, Minka blocks, Minka block of all people to have blocked the field goal. I mean, I guess not of all people. I mean, Minka Fitzpatrick is the best player on the field at that moment. So it makes a little bit of sense. The shanked field goal. The shanked field goal is just, oh my goodness. A 29-yarder, 29-yard field goal that he shanked. It reminded me so much. For those of you who remember the 2005 season, and then what was the season where the Jets kicker? Oh, it was 2004. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 2004. The Steelers were playing the Jets in the playoffs. The Jets kicker misses, I forget what it was. It was like a 41-yarder or something. I mean, I think he missed two. Didn't he not miss two in that game? I'm pretty sure that Jets kicker missed two field goals in that game late. And they were both not necessarily chip shots, but like they were very makeable field goals. He missed both. Steelers go on to win. 
It was uh oh, it was not it wasn't Vinatieri, it was Vanderjack. Sorry, Vanderjack miss in 2005 where he missed by a country mile. Right after this is after Bettis's fumble, Peyton gets them into field goal range. That field goal, I I want to say that field goal was probably like what 45, 47. So still very, you know, not not a chip shot, but not 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 the easiest field goal either. But for for this kid, what's his name? Chase uh, McPherson or Evan McPherson, who Bengals fans have talked this kid up all offseason. They have talked him up all offseason as being, oh, he's on Tucker's level. He's on Boz's level. He's the next great kicker. For him to miss a 29-yard field goal, I mean, just shanked it. I mean, shanked it. And I get, look, the snap wasn't good. But no one's going to argue that the snap wasn't good. And, yeah, the – the the laces were in. Okay, I agree. The laces were in. It was not, I mean, not nothing about the execution was good. But I mean, that wasn't even close. I mean, he didn't even, I mean, that thing was in a different zip code by the time it got into the stands. <laughs> oh, what a game. All right, let's get to some of your comments here. Let's 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 chat. Let me scroll back up here. Oh, Tanner says, who else is loving Bengals podcast this week? I love okay. Can I give you a couple to listen to if you haven't already? Locked on Bengals right after the game. Hilarious show. Absolutely hilarious. As they try to convince. See, my favorite thing about Bengals fans is they want to do this thing now where they say, Oh, you know, the, the Bengals are still better than the Steelers. They're still better than the Steelers. Like they have to convince themselves of this. This is a team that 48 hours ago was like, here we go. You know, we all, you know, what's their stupid thing? We are them or something, whatever their stupid line is about how, you know, they're not underdogs anymore because they, you know, they actually run the AFC. We beat the Chiefs twice. We were the champions or whatever. I mean, they went from, they went from that. They went from, we're the best to, well, we're still better than the Steelers. I mean, we're still better than the Mitchell Trubisky led Steelers. So locked on, locked on Bengals. Very good show. What's the other one called? Uh, Cincy, Cincy Insider, Cincy Jungle, something like that. It's a solo show. The guy just does so like me. And he is quite literally going through it for about 45 minutes. <laughs> I mean, he is, it, it literally is, you know, the, the SNL Stuart Smalley bit from SNL where he's like looking into the mirror and like, I'm good enough. You know, I mean, he, there was a moment where like, he's just kind of talking himself into like, the, they, they can't be worse than the Steelers. Just, if you think that it's just, I love that one too. If you want, you want high comedy. <laughs> I give, I give those to the Tony two thumbs up. Two thumbs up to both of those shows if you want that. Uh, DN here says, the Steelers win was satisfying, but not as satisfying as our boy Tony giving both barrels to Bengals fans on AFC North Talk. Must watch TV. Please give that a watch. I, I had a lot, a lot of fun. A lot of fun with Bengals fans on that show. And then, and look, I'll be honest with you. Bengals fans deserve it. Because the thing that pisses me off the most about Bengals fans, I really, by the way, it's not a... You know, when I when I was giving it to Q and, and Sonny as heel Tony at the end of last season, like, yeah, it was very uh, cathartic that Ben, you know, made the playoffs in his final year. And, you know, here's AFC North Talk, who has been, you know, basically every chance they get to, to, to crap on Ben, they would take it. And, like, of course, I had a lot of fun on that show. But I, I genuinely dislike the vast majority of Bengals fans. I, Ace and I get along well. Ace is fine. But, dude, I – the Twitter spaces that we did for any of you were there. I, I can't 99% of Bengals fans. I can't, I can't stand them because I, I, I think the, 
the vast majority of their arguments are just bad faith arguments. They want to argue with you about like total, you know, it's Quincy's having an argument right now on Twitter about how, you know, total yards, you know, the Bengals, Bengals fans want you to believe that because they had 450 total yards. Their offense was really good in this game. They ran 93 plays. That's 4.6 yards per play. <laughs> so yeah, my, my, my dislike of Bengals fans is legitimate. I really genuinely do not like them. So yeah, a little insight. Uh, Pino, I don't know what makes me happier, the win or that Watt is not out for the season. You know, even if look, Watt being not yeah, Watt being not out for the season kind of opens the door for this team to shock the world. You guys know me. I'm not changing my outlook on the season. Am I gonna sit here today and tell you that the Steelers are gonna make the playoffs, they're gonna win the division or anything like that? This offense has to be night and day from what we saw on Sunday in order for that to be the case. So Watt being out, Watt not being out, quite honestly. It still doesn't change my overall outlook on the team because this offense can't beat 99% of the teams that they're going to play unless this defense is going to quite literally be the 2000 Ravens reincarnate. I mean, Steeler fans are in for a long season. They have to be better offensively. But Watt being back means that if this offense does figure it out, well, 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 well. Can I just say, all right, we're 45 minutes in. I can say this. If Kenny ever does get in and Kenny is good, this might be the greatest Steeler season of my life. If Kenny comes in and is actually good, I will imagine a world where Ben Roethlisberger retires and the Steelers immediately get better. Just immediately. Oh, oopsies. I mean, you got top five defense. And again, I'm not saying Kenny has to be the next Pat Mahomes. Again, I think he's probably going to end up being the next Derek Carr. But if he's even competent enough to drag this team into the playoffs. <laughs> what a world. What a world. Oh, my brother's in chat. He says, glad the voice injury wasn't season ending. No, it is not. It's coming back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, Luke says, Bengals fans really went from we had the best offense in the league to we had a lot of yards. Yeah, exactly. But Bengals fans have never been an efficiency thing. This is why, this is why it is so sweet. This is why I take extra. This is why, again, this is why I take kind of a little extra enjoyment out of this. Is because the Bengals fans, ne you know, never believed the idea last year when they were told, "Hey, like from an efficiency standpoint, the Bengals actually aren't very good offensively." You know, like and generally offenses like this kind of come back down to earth at some point, and they never did last year. I mean, to to Bengals fans' credit. They were actually right about last year's team because that team never did come back down to earth. They went all the way to the Super Bowl. They were plays away from winning it. But they never actually bought into it. Right? I mean, they, they've never been the kind of efficiency stuff. So they're always, they're always going to be, you know, total yards team. Um, Joel says, other than Deontay's ridiculous catch, Jalen Warren laying out the linebackers was the highlight of the offense. Yo, I got a, I got a Jalen Warren take. I got a Jalen Warren take. If Deontay is hurt, or sorry, if, if Najee's hurt in any way, I, I want I want Jalen Warren starting. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying, and this is not me trying to bag on, on Najee. I think Najee's a good player. But but that Jalen kid has juice. That that he's good. He's like good, good. The stuff he was doing on, on Sunday. You know, the, the, the effort that he puts out there as a blocker. By the way, PFF gave him like a 29 grade. 
He was out there as a lead blocker on that one play. Dude, that kid is. That kid is real good. And I know what he can do as a runner. I watched it for three weeks in training camp. I want that kid to get the rock as many times as you can get him the rock. Because he he's, you know, we talk about got that dog in you. Yo, the Steelers got George Pickens at wide receiver, and they got another George Pickens at running back. That kid's got that dog in him. All right, let's see. Noah says, how should the Steelers offense attack Darth Vader's defense this Sunday? We will break that down on Thursday's show. Thursday here on uh, on Steeler Country, we're going to do our preview of Steelers and Patriots. Luis here says, no offense, full defense. I mean, that's what it was last week. No offense, full defense. 2000 Ravens style. It's like Tomlin wants to see how bad he can be offensively and still, and still pull this Still pull it off. Luke says the O-line was solid in pass protection, but awful blocking the run. They were, they, yeah. You know, the one thing about, okay, awful blocking the run. I, I just keep noticing this on tape. Defenses are so aggressive when the Steelers are running the ball. I mean, they are, they are flying to the football. It is to the point where there's got to be a tell. It, it's got to be formationally that this team is, that they're, it's too easy for defenses to tell, oh, this is a run. Because it's, again, it's it, yes, the, the blocking is poor. And there are just poor play designs as well. You know, the plays where Gunner's out there having to block a linebacker on some of these plays. And what are we doing? Gunner Olszewski's out there as like a lead blocker against a linebacker. That's just not a way, it's not a way to win football games. Not a way to, not a way to design a, a quality running game. So... But yeah, the 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 run blocking still not there. I mean, I, I look, we're not we're not out of the woods with this offensive line. I know that I know that it wasn't an out and out disaster in the passing game. And I think that kind of gives everyone kind of a, a pause of like, okay, well, you know, maybe things can be okay. Maybe things can be okay on the pass blocking side, but again, small sample size. A lot of it was kind of designed rollouts and and trickery and gadgetry and all of that. So we don't have a a, a large sample size of just drop back and throw the ball. But the the run blocking, not good. But again, the Bengals front seven is so good against this Steeler team. They dominated this matchup a year ago, and they dominated again on Sunday. So it wasn't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the run blocking was worse than it was a year ago. It was not good, and it wasn't good a year ago. The Patriots, I think, will give us a, a better understanding of kind of, what's, you know, we get, we get a, a, a new look at this team against a uh, a new defensive line. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Claude says that offense is the reason why Najee and TJ got hurt because they should never been in overtime. I mean, you can, you can, you look, you can definitely draw a straight line between the, the lack of production offensively and I mean, TJ's injury for sure. Because that happened on the last drive uh, before overtime, right? Or did that happen in overtime? I can't remember. I forget if it was before overtime or after. But regardless, the game should have been over. Look, the game should have been over on that last drive after the goal line stand. That's where, to me, there's no doubt in my mind Ben Roethlisberger finds a way to convert there. There's no doubt in my mind that Ben Roethlisberger converts 
that first down runs the clock. And we are sitting here today talking about a Steelers 20 to 14 win in regulation. No doubt. That's where Mitch has to be good. I, you know, Mitch can do the whole, you know, gadget crap offense and stuff, but it, and, and obviously that has to be better. But at the end of games, if we're just going to continue, if this team is going to continue to tell its defense, you just won the game for us with a massive goal line stand. And offensively, like, you know, we're quiet quitting out there. Like, again, this team is not headed for a division title or a playoff run. They're headed for like five wins. Dominic says, Tony the Hater was very needed on that last show. No, 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 no. Heal Tony. Tony the Hater is a different one. Tony the Hater is the one that says the Steelers are bad. Or actually just, how about my boy Matty Ice? Um, does Watt get to sack Joey B in that new white Power Ranger color rush? Yes, he does. He will be back. That is the second week after the bye. Um, and yes, TJ should be back for that game. Should be back for that game. God, that game's going to be so much fun. Bengals fans keep saying, keep that same energy in the second game. Keep that second game. See, keep that same energy in the second matchup. Uh, in the rematch, Bengals fans, I just have a, 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 a small note. I will not be keeping the same energy in the second match. If the if the Steelers and Mitchell Trubisky beats the Bengals again and they sweep Joey B, Joe Shiesty, uh, no, I will not be keeping the same energy. It will be a whole new energy level. It will be a whole new energy level after that show. So, no, I will not be keeping the same energy. I apologize. Um, Save the Steelers says that was a horrible second half by Mitch. I would say the first half was pretty bad as well. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't rule out the first half also being horrible. How much better is Mitch than Kenny? Okay. Let's talk about Kenny Pickett for a second. What he did in preseason was very, very impressive. And I want to see Kenny out there. I do because I, but for selfish reasons, because I do a show called AFC North Talk, and it would, and you know, the wouldn't it be funny part of my brain says, wouldn't it be hilarious if Kenny came out right away and, you know, turned this team into the kind of team that could be a playoff team? Because if Kenny comes out and does what he does in preseason, that's it. Again, no down the field shots, just kind of very effective, efficient, executing this kind of point guard style of offense. Yeah, I mean, this team's making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, with that defense, yeah, yes. Um, but, but here's the difference. Here's what we haven't seen from Kenny yet. Look, we haven't seen Kenny really challenge down the football field still. You know, there were plays against Jacksonville that I loved. There were plays against Detroit that I loved. But the sample size with Kenny isn't there. And the other thing that happens in the in the regular season that does not happen in, in preseason, you get game planned against, right? Teams understand tendency of here's where a guy likes to go. Here's what a guy likes to look at. So we game plan around that. Kenny hasn't had that yet. You know, the Bengals at least have seen some film of Mitch and what he did in Chicago and what he likes and doesn't like and what he gets confused by. Teams will figure that out about Kenny. And uh, look, there's a very real chance that as good as Kenny looked in preseason, that he comes out in the regular season and it's a whole new Kenny. And I think Tomlin understands that. And that's why he doesn't want to subject this team to that until he absolutely positively has to. And what a hilarious, what a hilarious sequence of events that the report comes out pregame from Jay Glazer, Tomlin's best friend. And he says, Tomlin plans on sitting Kenny for the entire year. Kenny will not play this year. And then Mitch goes out, has one of the worst offensive performances you could possibly have in a game where the Steelers should have blown him out. 
And every Steeler fan's thinking, uh, Tomlin, we sure we're not playing Kenny this year. Like, at what point? See, it is, it is, I thought that Kenny would have to come in because Mitch would be bad and the team would be bad. You know, Mitch would be kind of holding this team back from winning. And he would say, okay, well, we got to get a quarterback in there to start winning football games, right? They'll be 0 3 after that Browns game or something like that. But it's actually the opposite, right? All of a sudden, the thought is, yo, wait, hold on, timeout. How good could this team be if they really had a quarterback? And you know that Tomlin is actually, I mean, Tomlin's thinking that too. But we're, we're not the only ones out there thinking, uh, if this offense was good, how good is this team exactly? If this defense, and again, I, I'm, I'm assuming that this defense is going to regress in some way. I'm not, I, I would assume that they're not going to be this good every single week. But I, I, I think, you know, what they did on, on Sunday is like a modern version of the 2000 Ravens. I don't think they're going to be the 2000 Ravens. So they end up being top five, right? That's where I would kind of lay them out. Top five, well, top 10 without TJ. So top 10 defense, top five defense with him. When does Tomlin start to think, all right, do I put the kid in just to see what we got in case, in case he is good and we actually can make a run at this thing? What an interesting decision for Tomlin to make now because he doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to go with a rookie. But I do think this is a way where he's going to have to think to himself, am I going to am I going to just kind of play this thing out with Mitch while I got this defense that's, you know, that can single-handedly win me some games. And I got this rookie on the quarterback who, and I got the rookie on the bench who's like, well, who knows? Um, all right, what do we got? What else do we got here? Ooh, I like this take. How about this take? By the way, my voice is, you know, maybe uh, maybe doing an hour-long show today wasn't the wasn't the smartest thing to do because my voice, I feel it going, I feel it going out again. But uh Carmichael says, I think Mitch was horrible. That's my honest opinion, and felt Mason could have produced the production. Does Mason Rudolph win that game in regulation? Mason would have got rid of the ball quicker. Well, well ah, it's hard for me to say that. Don't you have to, when you think about Mason Rudolph now, you have to like divorce preseason Mason Rudolph. I mean, I saw a lot of training camp too. I don't know how many of you guys were at training camp, but like to me, there are two Mason Rudolphs now. There's the Mason Rudolph that I watched for four years that I absolutely loathe watching and I never want to see that again. But then there's, then there's, oh, what about what Mason did against what about what Mason did, uh, you know, against the defense in training camp and in preseason and kind of how he kind of reinvented himself as this kind of get rid of the ball quickly, efficient quarterback? Because, yeah, you know, there's a part of me that does think that Mason Rudolph could have won that game in regulation that because I thought Mitch's worst asset was his timing. And that's where that's where Mason got so good. Mason's comfortability in the offense, right? I mean, he's dropped back to pass. I know exactly where I'm going. Bang, bang, bang. We're just getting rid of the ball. And yes, preseason, preseason defenses, it would have been worse against Cincinnati. And the thing you have to worry about, I guess, is that Mason Rudolph turns back into like first reads not there, deer and headlights guy that we've seen him in regulation, right? Lights come on, bright lights, regular season game or on the road. Are we sure it's the same Mason Rudolph as it was in preseason and, and training camp? Which is why he's third string. <laughs> Joel says if Warren knocked Pratt around for more yards than he ran the ball facts facts 
Jalen Warren, I mean, Jalen Warren hype train. He's like my new Duck Hodges, you know? I love Jalen Warren. Um, Claude says defense scored 10 points, at least 10. You know, it was more than that because even the field goal that they got in the second half, didn't the didn't the Steelers get a three and out at like the nine yard line, which ended up giving the, the Steelers pretty good field position? So, I mean, you know, I, I won't give that all to the defense, but like they were, that was a pretty big stop and a big moment to help that offense out. Cause like, what did the offense do? Wasn't that Boz's long field goal? So they, the, the offense probably got like 10 yards on that drive to put the Steelers in field goal range. Uh, let's see what else we got. Carmichael says, I never thought this is about Trubisky. I never thought he was that guy. Mitch is a finished product. He's not going to be much better than Chicago. Plus he was scared to run. Was he scared to run? I don't know. Well, see, it felt like to me, it was less that he was scared to run and more scared to get rid of the ball. Scared to kind of throw it. What the sack he took, I think the sack he took tells me a lot, told me a lot about who, how Mitch, how Mitch was thinking, which he, he rolls out. I was like, all right, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. And he just roll, 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 roll. And then he doesn't even throw the ball. He wouldn't even throw the ball away. He took a two yard sack. Right. I mean, fine. The receiver's not open. I think this was the play, by the way, there's no crosser on the play action, but just throw the ball away. And what are we doing? And instead he takes a two yard sack. Uh, let's see what else we got. Joel says the accurate quarterback is not the one we had on the field. That is true. Kenny Pickett, you, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's too easy though. It's too easy to just say the Kenny Pickett we saw in preseason and training camp would have gone out there and just won this football game because they would have thrown a lot of exotic stuff at him. They would have thrown a lot of crazy pressures and, and, uh, you know, shifting uh, defenses as far as hiding coverage and whatnot. Claude says Burrow's two first two pass attempts in their new stadium was sack and pick six. What an interesting play call back to back for Zach for Zach Taylor. They had so much success running the ball in this game, and instead they came out and they're like, "No, we're going to throw." And it wasn't the second one from like five wide. I mean, it was. I think it was ten personnel. But, or maybe it was 11, but just spread out wide. <laughs> Zach Taylor, no one's talking about Zach Taylor right now. Zach Taylor deserves a lot of blame for what happened on Sunday. Tanner says, my favorite part was how the Steelers made the Bengals' expensive new offensive line look terrible. Look, I'll be honest with you. This this has been going around, this like, that the, the Steelers dominated this offensive line. I don't think it was a look the, the Steeler D line played well. I'm not going to take away from the Steeler defensive line, but I don't come. I didn't come away from this game thinking, wow, that was a dominant defensive performance, especially considering what we've seen this Bengals O line give up in the past. Right. When you think about that Tennessee game from a year ago, right. Some of the games where they where that interior of that line really did give up big pressures. A lot of this was on Burrow. A lot of this was just Burrow holding on the ball too long and, and Tomlin and that defense doing a very good job of understanding Bengals play design and where he wants to go with the ball and making him kind of double clutch and have to go to his second read. You know, it wasn't as though the ball was snapped and there was pressure in his face. 
that happened at times. I mean, Alex Highsmith had a monster game here. The spin move that he put on Jonah Williams. Jonah Williams still a turnstile over there in Cincinnati. Um, Those were great plays. But so often in this game, there was not a ton of pressure on, especially with four. Um, And I thought the offensive line held up. And even in those moments, though, you know, the the pick six to Minka, there was no pressure in Burrow's face. That was just straight up Joe Burrow not either not respecting Minka Fitzpatrick as the deep safety over there or not seeing him or just thinking, you know, in a kind of Joe Shiesty style that I can fit the ball in there. Regardless, you know, three three of Burrow's four interceptions came not under pressure, just out of a clean pocket. So, again, I don't want to take away from this, what the Seahawks defensive line did because I thought, I thought against the run they were really good. And against the pass, I thought they were good enough, but not great. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say – that the defensive line or the pass rush in this game had a great game. They were very, they were very good. But you know, I mean, the Bengals threw the ball like fifty times. <laughs> um, DN says, I think Trubisky gets the benefit of the doubt. He hasn't played in a regular season in a while on the road, facing rival, facing the defense. Yes, this, this, this is kind of where I land as well. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm optimistic about the future of this offense because nothing that I saw offensively makes me optimistic. But there is reason to believe, considering the matchup, that this will get better, that 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 offense will be better in the future. This defense, what the Bengals do defensively, matches up so well when you consider the, the fact that they're able to just sit in too high and stop the Steelers from uh, from running the football. Yeah. Joel says their new guard will be having sleepless nights over Cam. Volson did, yeah. Volson got. See, if you want to talk about a, a, a single matchup that really did was once was was pretty one sided. Cam Cam gave a little welcome to the NFL lesson to that kid Volson on the left side. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what else we got? Noah says, Bengals fans are so petty. When we lost to the Browns in the playoffs, we weren't saying, well, Ben had 500 yards passing. Correct. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that says it all. I got nothing to say to that. That's exactly right. (laughs) Joel says, the Cincy Insider is a real struggle session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to that. I'm telling you. That's such a good show. Such a good show. You know, and look, I've I've been there in the past. I, I, I think if you go... On my on the the audio feed of this, I think it's still up. My post game of the Jacksonville game, I couldn't believe that they lost to that team again. I was at that stadium when they lost the playoff game to Blake Bortles. Could not believe they lost that football game. So, yeah, I've been there. I've been there, but I'm not going to tell you I don't enjoy listening to other people. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, um, yeah, I think we're, I think we're good here. We're over an hour again, so we did it. I try to keep these to 30 minutes and then I end up talking for an hour. I will be back on Thursday to preview Steelers versus Patriots, the home opener, Akrasher Stadium, first regular season game in Akrasher. Uh, 
It's a big one for the Steelers. I think I, we'll talk about this on Thursday, but I think this is a nice barometer test early in the season. We're all high on, listen, we are high on beating them Bengals. Yes, we are. And we should be because this Steeler team this year, you know, everyone was predicting them to be have a losing season. I, I did the exact same thing. I thought they were going to lose to the Bengals. And the fact that they went out there and played that well defensively and won a game in that style was really impressive. But now it's about doing that consistently. And it's about, and it's about, can they, can they beat a, a team that they should beat now? Because there's a chance this team can go four and out. I mean, there's a chance that you're looking at the schedule and saying, yeah, I mean, I could see 4-0. 4-0 is not out of the realm of possibility. But we'll talk on Thursday about what needs to happen in order for this team to go 2-0. and All right, that'll do it for me today. Thank you all for watching. Again, if you are watching live, leave a like on your way out. And if you're not subscribed to the channel, what are you doing? Hit that subscribe button and you'll get notified when I go live, which is Tuesdays and Thursdays here on the YouTube channel, Steeler Country with Tony Serino. Or... If you'd prefer this as an audio podcast, you can find this wherever you find podcasts. And I'll be back on Thursday right here on Steeler Country.